Hi, this is Dean Michael Mead for Dharma Beginner. Recently, I posted a humorous picture to the Dharma Beginner page on Facebook that generated some surprising comments from the denizens of our virtual community. The picture contrasted how the friends, parents, and co-workers of the person depicted envision him when he's meditating. Sitting serenely in lotus position, hands upturned and resting gently on his knees, back straight, eyes closed with how he really is when meditating, which is checking his watch to see how much longer he has to meditate. Man, I can relate. I commented that that's the reason I don't wear a watch while meditating and why I put my meditation timer somewhere I can hear it but not see it. Sometimes the temptation to check the time fills my brain and distracts me, disrupting the flow of my meditation. I need a timer because I usually have a finite amount of time to meditate on weekdays before getting ready for work or to go to bed. And setting a timer allows me to let go of any concern about how long my meditation is lasting, which in turn allows me to focus on the things that make my meditation practice work for me. Quite a few people responded with surprise or soft chiding to the fact that I use a timer while meditating. They made quite a few interesting points about the inherent incompatibility of meditation and timekeeping, not to mention the concept of time itself. As always, I very much appreciated their insights and willingness to share their perspectives. I didn't, however, take their comments as criticism, because I firmly believe that there's no right way to meditate. Certainly, there's a multitude of books, CDs, DVDs, not to mention full-blown courses that offer to teach you how to meditate. But if any of them is asserting that their way is the right way, well, they're full of baloney. I think that the most that any of them can assert is that they contain practices that have proven to be beneficial when meditating and which may or may not be practices that will work for you. Meditation has been a part of my personal spiritual practice for 25 years, during which time I've read, watched, or listened to countless talks on meditation. Now, I'm not bragging when I say I've been meditating for 25 years because I still find that I feel like I'm an amateur at it uh, quite often. I'm certainly no meditation master. Uh, But over those years, I've developed my own style that comprises a little bit of this and a little bit of that. What ties those bits together into a beneficial meditation practice for me is not that they're the right meditation habits, but that they're the right habits for me. My general advice to people interested in in starting to meditate is that they just give it a try. But they should check their expectations about what will happen at the door. Just experience it. Observe it. Let it happen. This meditation without expectation can be hard to do because we've been raised to believe that real meditation or good meditation is some kind of ecstatic experience. Sometimes it is, but most of the time it's not. Thus, when we give meditation a try and we fail to encounter ecstasy, we feel let down. We're disappointed and we think that we must be doing something wrong. Because if we were doing it right, you know, we'd be floating on a cloud. I'd hazard a guess that the sense that we don't know what we're doing is probably responsible for more people giving up on meditation than any other cause. There are three things that I think are most conducive to a beneficial meditation practice. And if you tune in to part two of this 
audio blog, you'll hear what those three things are. For the time being, thanks for listening in. Peace be with you.